There's a columnist with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I hope I get his name right. Victor Jokes. Um, he decided to run an experiment for the second year in a row. He had 11 people send me a picture of their ballot envelope. Uh, he wrote his name in, in, in his own handwriting, their name in his handwriting. Each voter then copied my version of their signature onto their ballot return. I'm reading from him now. Each voter then copied my version of their signature onto their ballot envelope. They sent me a picture to ensure it wasn't their normal handwriting. This simulated signing someone else's ballot. Now, he points out that this was legal because the person actually did sign their ballot, just not their return envelope. So, you know that whole signature verification thing? That return envelope, the signature wouldn't match. Couldn't match. Couldn't get near to matching. And yet, 50%, 50% of those envelopes were accepted with signatures that couldn't possibly match that of the voters. So my question is not just around election security, it's around reality. How much of what we are shown is actually real? Now, the case in point, who opened the door at Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi's home? There are three separate stories as to who opened the door. Are we going to get to see the body cam footage? Because a local San Francisco television station says they know what's in it. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Thank you to Soda Weight Loss. It is a very real thing that they have for many years now helped people drop unwanted fat at sodaweightloss.com. It's also real that the benefits from that are extraordinary. I'm living proof. I know this seems like uh, some college philosophy exercise. And so let me explain what I'm really wondering about. It's, it's almost an extension of what we just, how we wrapped up the show chatting with Zach Abraham. And if you haven't heard that, please give that a listen. That's episode um, 458. This is episode 459. Zach and I talked about Sam Bankman Freed, who created a company, right? FTX. I mean, that was a company, right? And they were taking investments, right? I mean, the Security Exchange Commission head was hanging out with the guy who ran that thing that is now bankrupt, and he's apparently fled to the Bahamas where he's, quote, under supervision. And he had a relationship with, oh, Nancy Pelosi and... You know, Maxine Waters and gave them 50 million bucks that he got, it seems, part of it from Ukraine. 
which they got from us by force. Force of tax. It's a question about how much of what we see is real. Uh, I was first turned on to the scripted nature of weekend television, news television, news programming. When I ran into, uh, didn't run, but I walked in to visit someone in the RNC research department back when I worked at the Republican National Committee as chief digital strategist. And they were having a contest and there was a whiteboard. And they had written down questions and then the researcher who came up with the question uh, and then the show on which it was going to appear. That was the game. It was a contest to see which of them would get to script more of the weekend news shows, like Meet the Depressed, as Rush used to call it, God rest him. They were scripting it. And I asked Jeff, how much of weekend programming is, is scripted this way? He goes, oh, probably when we're doing our jobs right, 60 to 70%. Questions from political operatives to so-called journalists doing their work for them. That's scripting the news. Because if our guys were figuring out the questions they wanted asked, don't you think their team was reading ahead on what the answers should be? Don't you think that they know each other's game? But as I look more and more and more, just simply going through the news today, just simply doing show prep, I just kept coming up with, wow, that wasn't real either. Huh, that's not real. And I'm beginning to ask once again, how much of what the party shows us is reality and how much of it is custom crafted for us? You know, like the Truman Show. That was a fun movie. Hey, the people at uh, my pillow, you know, there's more than just Mike Lindell there, right? <laughs> I mean, there are people there. And I'm thinking about the people as I think about what is real. I got to wonder, what is it like to, to work at a place like my pillow and know that you have work because of Mike Lindell? Because frankly, Mike Lindell could job his products out to any country. Uh, and save a bunch of money, but you go to work every day, I believe it's in Michigan, and you go there and you make products, and then you hear about what a vicious, vampiric, evil, uh, tyrant, fascist, your uh, uh, person hater Mike Lindell is. I wonder what that's like to work for a guy vilified, and yet you know you have a job in a small town where that job wouldn't exist without him, and you're making products in America as what the media likes to pretend they're working class people. No such thing. They're people. I wonder about that. You know, Mike Lindell has expanded his product offering now uh, up to uh, these, these uh, towels. Have you tried these? So here's the way I rank a towel. Like how much, <laughs> this is not me being lazy. It's just ranking the towel. How much work do I have to do to actually get the water off of me? Because this might be more detailed than you want, but as I've gotten older, I'm a bit of a orangutan, you know, on my chest and back, kind of an orangutan. I don't have to work that hard. They're exorbitant, in other words. They're soft. All these things are true with Mike Lindell's pal, uh, till, uh, uh, towels turning into the Biden. Uh, Mike Lindell's bunnies. He sells bunnies. He doesn't, by the way. So do what I've done. Wrap yourself in nothing but the best 
with my pillow's six-piece towel set regularly $89.98 now for only $39.98. That's nuts. At mypillow.com slash Herman. Use promo code Herman. You'll get deep discounts on all my pillow products. Get your six-piece my pillow towel set for only $39.98. Shop mypillow.com slash Herman. Promo code Herman. That's mypillow.com slash Herman. Promo code Herman. As I continued to th- through show prep, and I read this article by this gentleman out of uh, Nevada, in Clark County, and what he went through, it, it said that this is the second year in a row he's done this. Now, and he's an honest man. I mean, he, he adds good context to this. He did this with 11 people, so it's a small sample size. But small sample sizes don't really mean that the, the, the test is not indicative of a problem it's a 50 percent rate when i did this experiment in 2020 with nine voters eight had their ballots accepted that was an almost 90 percent acceptance rate so i guess in some ways things have gotten better it's not as much of a problem as it was He writes this, that's not surprising. Signatures aren't a unique identifier. They morph over time. They change based on how quickly you write or what you're writing on. Nevada's law also makes it hard to reject the signature. The signature must contain multiple significant and obvious differences. Well, but he, he, he's not them. He just made up a way to write their name. But his point is obviously this. If it's just a signature on a piece of paper and between 50 and 90% are accepted when they are literally not the person who is supposed to be writing that, you have not just a problem, you have an invitation to fraud and with 1.8 million ballots around and 1 million that will never be returned legally, how many could be so easy to grab these? And again, this is why I reference in the separate country of Washington state uh, in the western part of that state, that every homeless uh, camp, every sex trafficking camp has ballots. They're all over the place. They're, I can't tell you in each election cycle how many people I have email me pictures of the three or four ballots they've gotten that year, not always with the same details on them. Some have their middle names, some don't. Which would seem to indicate there's two entrants for their name, one with their middle name, one without. So how much of what we're seeing is reality? Because I, look, I'm going to continue to say this. I have the biggest sense that this election was packed with fraud and it's a sense and it's a feeling. And I just think of the thieves at the DNC, if the thieves, and we know they're thieves, and we think about the corruption at the top of the FBI, if there was an opportunity to commit fraud to take this election, would the Democrats do it? Yes. So how much is real? Then there's this. This is from Julie Kelly. You remember that white supremacist militia, white supremacist? Why do I say supremacist? Probably like racist. You remember that white supremacist militia, the Oath Keepers? Yeah, they're white supremacists, which is now a meaningless word. Incidentally, side note, is racism real when everything is racism except racism? Now, again, I'm not trying to do the, the you know, community college 101 philosophy question. I'm, I'm asking a significant question. Can words be rendered meaningless? Yes. Can, 
fake realities be manufactured to such a degree that everybody believes it? Yes. I think we're seeing a combination of those two things. Julie Kelly writes about this, uh, this white supremacist organization. She writes, so I think it's important to note that the vice president of the white supremacist militia known as the Oath Keepers is black. Um, now, remember, it was the Department of Homeland Security who told us that this is a, a domestic terror group, a white supremacist group. Oh, I forgot part of her statement. I'll read the whole thing. So I think it's important to note that the vice president of the white supremacist militia known as the Oath Keepers is black. He's also a fed. Here's his biography. Greg McWirtier is a member of the board of directors for Oath Keepers, a current serving law enforcement officer and the founder of Western Montana Tactical Trading Center. As a sheriff's deputy in Indiana, Montana, he was certified law enforcement instructor and SWAT officer for Oath Keepers. He helped organize and lead the disaster relief teams that Oath Keepers deployed to Houston after Hurricane Harvey. While doing so, he liaised with federal and local governments and other relief volunteers. In 2016, after seeing a need for experienced tactical trainers in the Northwest, he founded Western Montana Tactical Training Center, better known as WMTAC. So... To recap, the same federal government that says that the Oath Keepers is a white supremacist organization chose a black man to serve as a federal informant-spy within that same organization. So therefore, they knew for a fact it was not a white supremacist organization because it turns out that white supremacist organizations don't accept black people let alone black people as vice presidents of their white supremacist organization. Now, I'm not here to say that people who are actual white supremacists are smart. I think that they are spiritually held captive. I think that the enemy has them by the neck. I think anyone who worships race or racism is held captive by the enemy because we're called to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. The Lord Jesus made it very, very clear. He's not the God of those people. He's the God of everybody. And the Lord made everybody. And it was good. It's just not good that we're alone. It's the first time the Lord said it was not good. So there's proof that the nation's top law enforcement officials knew they were lying. Anybody who knew Greg McWirtier and happened to notice he was black and is black knew they were lying. So again, I ask, how much of what the party is showing us is fake? How much of it is a lie? What if there was an easy way to say all of it? What if there was that easy way? If they're founded upon lies, if it's so easy to page through their work and see that it's founded upon lies, if they're attempting to force others to lie, I reference pronouns, I reference, oh, we're only 30 trillion in debt. We're not. Unfunded liability makes it about 330 trillion. 
Uh, we've always been at war with Russia, except we haven't. How much of it is real? There's this. Um, when a Las Vegas-based columnist decided to use investigative skills to look into something of import to his, I don't want to say jurisdiction, but the, the, the area in which he, he writes as a media figure, Las Vegas, Clark County, he decided to look into elections by which we choose the people who get to make laws in our country and cause those laws to be enforced and take from us monies. He decided to look into that because he felt that is rather important. That was his focus. At the Washington Post, they had a different focus. They decided to um, hoax Elon Musk. So a Washington, this is from a libs of TikTok, a Washington Post reporter collaborated with a sitting U.S. Senator, that's Ed Markey, who is a piece of a, well, let me see, let me see it this way. Ed, you ask Ed who's the smartest, most moral person who's ever existed. He might well tell you, well, other than me. Washington Post reporter collaborated with the sitting U.S. Senator Ed Markey to trick Elon Musk with a hoax. Now the senator is threatening Musk with action from Congress based upon this hoax. So what they did is this reporter set up a fake Ed Markey account and bought the blue check mark, and then broke the rules. Because the rules at Twitter are, if you're going to set up a parody account, now that Elon's there, you have to have parity in the name of, a, of the account, not just on the page. And if you don't use Twitter, what that means is that everybody who sees your tweets will see that it's parity. So the Washington Post chose not to follow that particular rule. Uh, and then they started tweeting at, uh, at Elon Musk and Musk played along thinking, OK, this is a U.S. senator. Ed Markey. And now Ed Markey, yes, is threatening Elon's business because he hoaxed Elon. And the way this unfolds is watching a, a, US, a, 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 a reporter working with a government official, an elected official, to try to take down a guy who runs a social media company. For no other reason than the fact that Ed Markey no longer, as senator, a senator in the United States, no longer gets to have Twitter defend his ideas by disappearing the people who disagree with his ideas. How much of this has been real? How much of debate on Twitter has been real? Markey writes, a Washington Post reporter was able to create a verified account impersonating me. I'm asking for answers from Elon Musk, who's putting profits over people and his debt over stopping disinformation. Twitter must explain how this happened and how to prevent it from happening again. Elon Musk writes, perhaps it's because your real account sounds like a parody. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Markey writes back, one of your companies is under FTC consent decree. Auto safety watchdog NHTSA, or NHTSA is investigating for another killing people. You're spending your time picking fights online. Fix your companies or Congress will. Wait, Congress can fix companies? Wait, Congress can fix anything? Wait. 
a senator who still has a woke mask in his profile, who undoubtedly pushed the forced injection of people with a deadly, all too often deadly, harmful, medically useless, in fact, the opposite of useless. It's, it's creating, even and Tucker is now reporting this, that these shots create long-term immunoderangement. Gosh, where have you heard that for the past two years, that it's going to create and derange your immune system, meaning you won't be able to fight off many, many sicknesses and incidentally can help cause cancers, etc. Undoubtedly, this guy pushed you to get these injections lest you be fired. And he wants to talk about safety. He wants to talk about protecting people. He wants to talk about fixing companies when his own party took 50 million bucks from the crypto scam FTX, and they're going to fix companies. A Senate that has driven us into $330 trillion of actual debt is going to fix Twitter because someone created a fake account. This is a federal government that has a fake set of books, the real and the fake books. And Ed Markey, he's going to go fix him some companies. Gosh, I wonder how much I can go through as we talk about what's actually real. I wonder if I can find more instances. Uh, We talked last hour, and I know uh, we'll have him back on on Friday, but we talked last hour with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management about this FTX fraud. Um, And wouldn't you know that Zach was warning about that because he saw all the fundamental ways someone would fraud someone. Meanwhile, financial press didn't warn people. They set this kid, Sam Brinkman Freed, up uh, as, as quite literally. Fortune asked if he's the new Warren Buffett. That's how they viewed this kid. Is he the new Warren Buffett? But you had Zach at Bulwark Capital Management saying, uh, I don't know, this seems like a fraud to me. No, that's not, he's not anti-cryptocurrency, by the way. So why was he saying that? Because of the fundamentals. See, when you're talking about someone who's obsessed with risk management, what's one of the ways they do that? They look at the fundamentals. There's a reason that Bulwark Capital Management tells you that the 60 and me, that the 60-40 stock bond mix no longer applies. Why? Because of the fundamentals. You have mobbed up companies getting zero interest rate loans that they conveniently never really have to pay back to the federal government. And they use those loans to buy real assets and they're pumping, 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 conjuring, conjuring, conjuring cash into the system. How could the 60-40 stock bond mix apply anymore? It's a chaos economy. He's always looking at the fundamentals. Do we have the electrical grid to support making every new car electric? No. So what should be going up? (laughs) Petroleum, because sooner or later it's going to have to be used. And these are just some of the things. I mean, and there's risk or there's hedge upon hedge upon hedge. Hey, if you're five years from retirement, uh, you don't want to be exposed to risk. If you're 10, oh, maybe you can take a little bit more risk. But maybe given the chaos economy, all of us should be looking into board capital management and see if our portfolios will sustain themselves in the chaos economy. So let's call them before the year's out. 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. 
Investment advice cannot be given under the client service agreement. Bowler Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SCC Registered Investment Advisor. I wonder if we could go find more instances of 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 things that would cause us to question um, how much of this is real. I happen to know that that networks like CNN, when they have people like Nancy Pelosi on, they have a whole set of agreements. What are we going to talk about? What sort of questions are you going to ask? Now, I can't say for sure that they scripted this. I just know the way cable news environments work. That's one of the ways they work. And this is Nancy Pelosi on CNN. And wouldn't you know it? You alluded to this when I asked about your husband, but I just want to ask specifically and kind of point blank about the fact that there has been such such political violence. She's scared. And what happened to your your husband was was horrific. Do you think that that had an impact on voters as they cast their ballots? I, I don't. I know that what people tell me, <clears throat> that's anecdotal. Mm. And, and uh, we always say it, the plural of anecdote is not data necessarily, but it is a trend in what I'm hearing. But it wasn't just the attack. It was the Republican reaction to it, which was disgraceful. And that, I think, really, um, the attack is horrible. It's, I mean, imagine what, how I feel as the one who was the target. Yeah, we still have no idea that you were the target, Nancy. Um, incidentally, this is a woman who said she was going to punch President Trump in the face and go to jail. This is a woman who said, I don't know why there aren't uprisings in the streets. That's the woman who said no to more cops at the Capitol during Jan 6. She and her dear, dear friend, Mitch McConnell, said no to more cops because they didn't want more cops. Why did they say no to more cops? Because they didn't want more cops. That's established. If they'd wanted more cops, it would have gotten them. If they'd wanted the National Guard, they could have had that too. Because all Mayor Bowser had to say is, yes, President Trump, we'd appreciate having the National Guard. I'll give you the best guard you've ever had. They said no. Why? Because they didn't want extra security. Why? Gosh, who could say? Who could say? Why are they creating loose voting rules? Who could say? Why is the Washington Post obsessed with taking down the CEO of a social media company with which they've partnered for the past three years? Who could say? How much of this is real? Now, to the point about Paul Pelosi. And incidentally, people have been telling me, I've been saying, Frank Pelosi, Todd, why are you saying Frank Pelosi? It's not Frank Pelosi, it's Paul Pelosi. Why are you saying Frank Pelosi? Well, because I'm getting the Biden disease. And probably because I make fun of, of, of the, the idea that we're supposed to pretend that Biden is not, not mentally uh, deficient. And the, the other reason, can I be frank with you? The other reason is because it is absolutely asinine to me, which is not a curse word, that we're talking about Paul Pelosi. Want to know why? Because with with San Francisco and the number of home invasion robberies that occur there, this is the one that makes news because of Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi. Because part of me has a lot of problem having any sympathy for these people because it's their policies, their policy of destroying this country and grifting and making money on top of it as Paul Pelosi has that make them, to me, mentally cogs. And that's a terrible, terrible thing because they too were created by God. God loves them too. Isn't that baffling? 
Isn't that baffling? So baffling that God loves them too. Not what they're doing. Not their sin, not their theft, not their lying, not their grievous abuse of power. None of that. That's all aberrant to him. And there's things that we do and think that God finds aberrant too. Maybe not in the degree that Paul Pelosi does. So speaking of Paul Pelosi, speaking of what actually is real. You have one law enforcement agency saying, oh, um, the police answered the door. You have another law enforcement agency saying, no, uh, Paul Pelosi opened the door. There was another agency that said an unknown third party opened the door. So what's actually true? To their credit, uh, this is the NBC affiliate out of San Francisco asking some questions. This, this all has to do with the moments, seconds, really, just before Paul Pelosi was struck in the head with a hammer inside his San Francisco home. Now, there continues to be con- contradicting accounts of a relatively simple question. Who opened the door that night when San Francisco police arrived to the Pelosi house? Now, the Department of Justice says the two officers opened the door. That's according to a federal indictment filed earlier this week. But the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, in another court document that was filed earlier this month, said Mr. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. So the question is, what really happened? According to a source familiar with the investigation who personally watched the police body camera footage from that night, Officers knocked on the door of the Pelosi home, then backed away. And the video clearly shows Paul Pelosi opened the door with his left hand, just like what was noted in the documents filed by the DA's office. Now, also as written in the DA docs, the source tells us the body cam video shows officers having a brief conversation with Pelosi and David DePap. That's the man accused of breaking into the Pelosi home before DePap starts beating Pelosi with a hammer. How much of any of this is real? I have no doubt that Paul Pelosi was hit in the head with a hammer because the cops watch it happened, uh, happen. But they are not going to release the body cam footage because it could fuel conspiracy theory. No, it couldn't. No, it couldn't. It could inform us as to what that looked like. Do you know what cop sense is? Um, when cops get put before civilian review boards about their actions, and by civilian review boards, I mean struggle session boards who are there to, to put a cop in a jackpot. In, in Western Washington, everybody knows that the civilian review board is people with people who hate cops. Cop sense. Cops can look at a person and go, that guy's wrong. Oh, is it racism? Maybe. 1% of the time. Uh, 99% of the time, it's you've been on the streets a long time. You'll look at things like this. Why did that guy take four right-hand turns in a row twice? Oh, does he want to see if I'm following him? Why did that guy start to pull out of that parking lot three blocks ahead of me, look into his rearview mirror, see that I'm there, and then pull back into the parking lot and turn his car off? Why did he do that? That guy might be wrong. Or the very elementary, gosh, it's 100 degrees. Why is that guy wearing a trench coat? Something's wrong. We, too, in watching the cops interact with Paul Pelosi and this guy who hit him in the head with a hammer could go, Paul Pelosi doesn't seem the least bit troubled. Or, Paul Pelosi seems really freaked out. 
Paul Pelosi's sweating and his eyes are dilated, or he looks high. That man looks like he's on a meth rush. David, the pap looks like he's on a meth rush. What else explains, hey, we're having a conversation, and now that there's cops here, I'm going to hit him in the head with a hammer. How much of this is real? And the timing of it, of course, is very suspicious. And you're not going to fuel conspiracy theories by providing more, by, by providing more evidence. You're going to answer some conspiracy theories by providing evidence. Gosh, I wonder if I could find more instances where we could all question together, is something real? Could it be? I have a question for you. Uh, Do you listen to the cast and listen to the radio show? I would love to talk to people who are listening to both because I'd like a comparison from you. The radio show airs uh, 8 to 10 p.m. on a bunch of stations. I don't yet have the affiliate list. Uh, I think we're 40 or 50 stations to start with uh, through the Radio America Network. Um, And it's it's a weekend show, and it's 8 to 10 p.m. That's Pacific time. And I'd love it if you listen to both of those, if you would tell me what you think of those. I think those 8 to 10 p.m. across the country. What am I saying? Um, I would love to get from you a comparison of the radio show and uh, the podcast. And, and by the way, and I got a note about this by someone who does listen to both. And she asked me, why are you not speaking God's word as much in the radio show? I'll tell you why. It's because people tune in every 15 minutes to radio and they're expecting to get conservative radio and that's what we get and if they intend intend you know instead tune in and i'm like say going deep into a piece of scripture like i i am thrilled to do here when we can um people will think oh i've got the wrong i've got the wrong station i've got the wrong network because they have this expectation now we put god's word in the podcast uh, at, at, a, at a greater degree because people self-select in the podcast and i'm not trying to pull any big bait and switch I'm trying to be clever as a serpent and, uh, no, yes, uh, wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove in respecting what people do in radio where they tune in with an expectation. Then once they get to the podcast, they can see that we do put God at the center. But that's why. It has nothing to do with you know trying to hide anything. It has to do with, in fact, in some ways, using the radio show as a funnel to bring people into the podcast so they can hear us talk more exactly about God and about why, for instance... Being grounded in God's truth makes it easier to spot all lies. Because the father of lies doesn't want us around God's truth and God's word. I was just talking about cop sense. And I was just talking about this in relation to the Paul Pelosi thing. You know, we all have a sense of when someone is wrong or a situation is wrong or someone is out of it. And I think about the Pacific Northwest around the time that Antifa began to rise and began to advertise. And this is where it comes to kind of ground level for me on, on is anything real? I was there when Antifa began to advertise that they were, teach, they were going to teach people in a park in an area just south of Seattle called Georgetown. There's a park there, and they were going to teach people how to hide weapons in protest signs, how to hide a sword or a spear in a protest sign. Um, Why would they want that? They said it was to kill police horses. 
Because sometimes in crowd control measures, cops in Seattle still use horses. And I think many, many, many jurisdictions do that. Horses are really good at that. And they wanted to kill police horses. So you pull your sword out of your protest sign and you run it through the horse, which incidentally doesn't just kill the beautiful animal. Uh, it also can, can kill the cop that's on the beautiful animal uh, and the people standing around the beautiful animal. And they were going to teach people how to use marbles and improvised explosive devices to fight cops. And, and they, they said it's an Antifa training, capital A. Uh, there are videos of Antifa self-defense trainings, which are, number one, hilarious. Because the people who are slap fighting their way through these trainings are no threat to anybody until they are five, six, seven, or eight of them, and they always are. And when they have helmets and goggles and shoulder pads on, and they have swords hidden in protest signs, and they have bear spray, and they have bleach, and they have Molotov cocktails, then the slap fighters can be a threat to others. Oh, and by the way, and guns. So I watched that happen. I watched. Now, this was from afar because God blessed us with getting out of Seattle when uh, Antifa, which are street soldiers for Black Lives Matter Incorporated, took over six blocks of that city. But that was right next to where I worked. I had colleagues who went up there. I, my, my therapist quit the business. I was so worried about Suzanne because her office was just around the corner from where Antifa was raging and murdering people and raping people and sexually assaulting street pastors. All of this with the Antifa logos everywhere. With the John Brown Gun Club, which is the militia of Antifa, open carrying. All of this happened. None of it didn't happen. Well, but it wasn't Antifa. Homeland Security. Now, this is the new Homeland Security. This is the Department of Homeland Security under the figurehead Biden. The figurehead who's not president. He doesn't run anything. He's got the title, but not the job. The figurehead son who's never done anything wrong. Remember that? The the Hunter Biden story was a hoax. The that's just Joe being Joe who happens to be a... Uh, worth a hundred million bucks, having done nothing other than be vice president and be in the Senate, but it's worth a hundred million bucks. Ah, uh, it's weird. So the new Homeland Security, this is from Gizmodo. Homeland Security admits it tried to manufacture fake terrorists for Trump. A new Homeland Security report details orders to connect protesters arrested in Portland to one another in service of Trump's imaginary Antifa plots. Imaginary. Now, part of this is the way Gizmodo and Yahoo quote news are writing this up. And what they're talking about is where the Department of Homeland Security looked into the finances of these street protesters and or terrorists, because sometimes they're the same thing. And they were trying to find financial patterns to find out who's buying your drugs for you. You've been on the street for a month. You have been trying to break into a federal courthouse for a month. We have you on facial recognition camera, uh, uh, facial recognition cameras and databases. We know you're there night after night. We know you don't have a job. We know you have no visible source of income. So how are you getting this money? Look, the people who are funding this are too smart to do it through Venmo. So they're going to hand out cash. 
So they weren't able to come up with anything. And this turns into Antifa doesn't exist. This turns into it was a made up thing. This turns into an imagination. Trump's false claims about, quote, Antifa, a quote organization that even his most loyal intelligence officers failed to drum up a proof ever existed. No, they didn't fail to do that. I will point out again the Rutgers University study, networked, Network Enabled Anarchy. I will point out again that this was created by 14 or so academics aligned, um, connected to Rutgers University. I will point out again that they looked at how Antifa and Black Lives Matter create uh, recruit members. I will point out again that in that they looked at how Antifa uses social media, who they target. That is people who have marginalized themselves or are marginalized, such as felons and pedophiles and men who want to force you to believe they're women. They marginalize themselves with these psychoses. They go after these people because they're already so mentally ill and so divorced from reality that when you can get someone to, uh, to, to state absurdities, you can commit them, get them to commit atrocities, which is an atrocity trying to break into a federal courthouse every night for uh, two years trying to murder cops. Network-enabled anarchy looked at Antifa, the organization, and Antifa's recruiting structure and Black Lives Matter Incorporated, but focused on Antifa. These were academics saying, here's the group dynamic. There's Andy Noe's book that has org charts. You read the paragraphs, you're reading org charts about who does what, who decrees what. He has the personalities, the names, the arrest records. He has them on their own statements about Antifa, the organization. How much of what the Department of Homeland Security tells us is reality? Remember, the boss man of that organization knew that the story about cops, pardon me, Border Patrol, using whips, he knew it was fake. This is Mayorkas. Knew that never happened. He knew there were no whips. And yet he participated in pretending to be disturbed by the use of whips. He acted a role. He went on TV and he performed in a play, a drama. Take all these facts together and ask me which Mockingbird media sources are asking a simple question. Why are we pretending that COVID's still an emergency, if it ever was. Why are we pretending the injections aren't killing people? Why are we pretending that there aren't record levels of cancer in people who don't have them? Why are we pretending that 50 or 60 doctors in the Toronto area, young doctors didn't die suddenly? Why are we pretending that elite young athletes aren't dying suddenly in huge numbers? Why are we pretending... Why are we pretending Joe Biden runs things? Why are we even participating in this pretense that Antifa is somehow questionably existing as an organization when the Oath Keepers was called a white supremacist group, though the Fed had planted in there a black man as VP? Why are we pretending this is real? There are 
two options. They know and they're participating or they have lost the ability to see reality. There is biblical precedent for both gargantuan lies to achieve power and not being able to see reality. I imagine being in the time of the Lord Jesus. Well, I mean, it all, it's always his time, but as he walked the earth as, as, as fully man, fully God. And I imagine sitting there making a list. Let's see. This guy has raised people from the dead. Um, this guy has created food from... The, he's, he's fed 5,000 people with a handful of fish um, and a little bit of bread. Uh, he has cured people of leprosy before people's eyes, their skin changing at, before their eyes. Uh, he has somehow escaped being murdered, though the authorities want him dead. He has spoken in their face. And they haven't taken him captive. And then you could go through the other things, the checklist of things. He's from the right place. He's here at the right time. Uh, He's got the right lineage. Now, this guy can't be the Messiah. Now, we're products of our time and our culture. So I want to believe I would have been one of the persons going, oh, this, this, this guy's the Messiah. But there were people who the Bible describes as they were blinded. They could not see. They could look at the entire list. Wow. He checked off on every major prophecy from Isaiah and others. He checked all the boxes. Plus, he raised people from the dead. Oh, and then there's that thing about dying and coming back. Nah. People were blinded. People are reblinded. They cannot see the reality. And the question for me and you is how much of what we see is real? I don't know that we can answer that question. But here's what we can answer if it goes adverse to the word of God, it's a lie. That's pretty simple. If it's adverse to the word of God, it's a lie. And if it says, do not trust the eyes God gave you, the senses God gave you, the word of God himself, do not trust that, but trust us who swim in lies. Well, then there's a pretty good chance that it's all falsehood. And there's a great chance that this is once again the Lord saying, do you want the true water? Do you want to never thirst again? Do you want the truth? Do you want to walk in light? Well, come to me because I am light and in me there is no darkness at all, the Lord might say, because God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please do go be well. Be strong, be kind, and please do walk in the light.